Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. If you've driven on 680 across the Benicia Martinez Bridge, you may have seen them. Ten old military ships are anchored side by side out in the Sassoon Bay. Most of them are decades old, and their gray hulls are spotted with rust. On some, the paint has faded or flaked away entirely. They kind of look abandoned. To be honest, they kind of look haunted. Why is this creepy old fleet out here anyway? This is Bay Curious, a podcast exploring the Bay Area one question at a time. Today, we visit the Bay Area's ghost fleet. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Bay Curious listener Steve Yeager has spent a long time wondering about these ships. He grew up in Sunnyvale and would pass them on drives up to Lake Tahoe with his family. Now he's in his 40s, and he passes them on his weekly commute from Lincoln. The uh, question is, why are there ships, mothball-type ships out there? And uh, you know, also, what, what is it doing to the environment with, that, with the ships? You know, they're made of steel, they have paint, it rusts. You know, what's happening with those? We'll let KQED science editor Craig Miller pick it up from there. Turns out his question is very timely. Officially known as the Sassoon Bay Reserve Fleet, it's a place for the Navy, Coast Guard, and Merchant Marine to park ships that they've taken out of service but might one day need again, kind of like taking those sweaters out of a cedar chest every fall, hence the name Mothball Fleet. 
This one goes back to 1946. World War II had just ended and the Navy had a huge surplus of ships. This was one of eight places around the country where rows of mothballed ships were anchored. At its peak, Sassoon Bay had 340 vessels anchored here. Joe Pecorero doesn't remember that, but he has been managing the mothball fleet here for nearly 30 years. It was neat to see all the different kinds of ships here. We had just about every kind of Navy ship here except for an aircraft carrier. We had guided missile cruisers, frigates, we had a battleship for 10 years. That was his favorite, the legendary World War II battleship, Iowa. Her 16-inch guns could hurl 2,700-pound shells 23 miles with unerring accuracy. And she was strong enough to resist the worst the enemy could throw at her. Yeah, it was sad to see her go. It was uh, kind of the feather in her cap here for, you know, the ship to care for. The Iowa is now a floating museum in San Pedro Harbor in Los Angeles. But all of the ships were old, many beyond redemption. Some were stripped of their parts, but few would ever be put back in action. It was funny, my dad used to call it Joe's Rusty Navy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a lot of rust. You could hear the crunch of the paint chips and the metal under your feet as you're walking across the deck of the ships. That's Sejal Choksi Chu, who heads San Francisco Baykeeper. And that was just really horrifying because the minute it rained or the minute it got really windy, all of that pollution just went right into San Francisco Bay. And it wasn't just rust. PCBs and lead and hazardous paint and asbestos, you name it, there was a lot of pollution coming off of these vessels. Researchers found 20 tons of it had washed or sloughed off the ships and into the bay, which is cheek by jowl with Sassoon Marsh, the largest salt marsh in the western U.S. and an environmentally sensitive area. So in 2009, Baykeeper, along with other environmental groups and local water quality regulators, went to court over this and won a settlement to get 57 creaky old ships out of Sassoon and off to the scrapyard. The last of them just left earlier this month. Even the top brass at the U.S. Maritime Administration, known as MARAD, which manages the fleet, agrees it was overdue. Executive Director Joel Zabat. Like the first ship that left, you know, like you know, the first you know two dozen. I mean, they were. I mean, you know, they should, someone should have put them out of their misery years ago. I mean, that, that was a you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was walking around on some of those ships in 2009. There was grass growing. Exactly. Out of the day. Right. Right. Exactly. And and, and you know they, they were in bad. You know, we, we couldn't have reactivated them ever if we ever needed to. You know, we needed to find a way to get rid of them. But the ghost fleet isn't going away entirely. You ready? Back at Sassoon, Joe Pecorero is showing me the newest addition, a Navy tanker that's part of the Ready Reserve, a ship that could be turned around in a few days if called back to duty. So what we're coming up on now is the Petersburg? Yeah, that's the Petersburg. It's one of just 10 ships that remain here, and everyone seems to agree that we'll never see hundreds or even the dozens of ships that reposed here less than 10 years ago. Of those that left, the last couple are on their way to a scrapyard in Brownsville, Texas. It's a 45-day trip behind a seagoing tug. Nick Shaw oversees the dismantling. I've seen people come to my gate and tell me stories and literally cry at my desk. Literally, you know. Uh, These are you people know, who served? Served on the vessel. The history is still continuing. As the vessel gets recycled, it gets recycled into a new product, a new ship, uh, a new tank, a new bridge. And so new history is going to be written from it. Those that remain, well, they're getting outfitted with some new environmental safeguards. There's a round drain that goes through the deck, and the piping goes like this. It actually meets up with this pipe from the deck above. Marad now tests the water on a regular basis and has added screens and filters to keep pollutants out of the bay. 
So Steve Yeager, the listener who asked us about the fleet, is relieved on two counts. First, the pollution problem seems to be tackled, and... We'll be still seeing them as I drive up and down Highway 680 here in Benicia. (laughs) They will remain a nostalgic sight for you as you drive by. And then my, my kids will ask me the same questions, but I'll have a little bit more information now that I can tell them. One long blast on a whistle. Now, one thing you didn't get to in your story, and I am wondering, are they haunted? <laughs> in a way, they are. If you walk around on them, they, they, they make these, these, these creaking noises that are like right out of Hollywood. You know, the gangways are creaking and things, and the, the wind is sort of whistling through the wires and the rigging and that sort of thing. I'm going to take that as a yes. Definitely <laughs> haunted. So they've been moving these ships out since 2009. What's taken so long? It's been a while. Yeah, it seems like it's been a while. They actually got it done ahead of schedule, though, because each ship has to be prepared. It's a pretty painstaking, involved thing. You have to get the ship out of the bay, tow it to someplace like Mare Island or one of the dry docks in San Francisco where they put it up in dry dock and scrape all of the marine organisms and stuff out of it so that it's not hauling invasive species down to where it's going for dismantling. And then this big towing trip, you know, which... 45 days and costs a million dollars per ship just to tow each ship down to through the canal, down the coast and through the canal to Brownsville, Texas. And now most people see these ships when they're crossing I-680. That's certainly where um, it sounds like Steve has been (laughs) seeing these ships for a long time. If you want to get a good look at them, where's a good place for our listeners to go? If you go up 680, let's say you're going north, there's a Lake Herman Road exit. And if you get off there and you go left kind of up the hill, um, there's a Vista Point actually right there. And you can it overlooks both 680 and the fleet and the marsh. The best way to see them, though, is from a boat. Uh, and if, uh, if, you have, if you have access to one, you know, whether it's a kayak or a power boat or whatever, you can get pretty close to them before the security boats will start chasing you off. And definitely invite me. I would love a close-up look of these guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. First, got to find the boat. Well, KQED Science Editor Craig Miller... Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks also to Steve Yeager, who asked this week's question, and Joe and the folks at Marad, who gave us great access to the ghost fleet. There's a new voting round up on baycurious.org. Head on over and cast a ballot for which question you'd like to see us answer in an upcoming episode. I'm Olivia Allen-Price. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. Next week... When you took a second to answer the door, that was because you were putting clothes on? Yeah, I was putting clothes on. You rang the doorbell. And, well, there was two things. One was I was in a phone text chat with my son, and I had to break that. And also I had to get clothes on to get to the door. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Just curious. We're going to bear it all. See you then. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's Trivia Game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.